The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Hello to you from Springfield, Missouri. We are at Cox South Hospital today, and um, I hope everyone had a happy St. Patrick's Day. I know we did, for sure. Yeah, it was great. Probably the best one Really ever. good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe... Uh, one of the best days of my life, actually. Uh, we are joined today by um, my sister-in-law, Robin Bartlett, and Dr. Jim Slaughter, who has been with us many times. Yeah, it's good to be back with you, Anne. Just so glad you guys could join me today to talk about this wonderful thing in our, our life. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to share with you, because um, you're probably wondering why we're at a hospital today. We are here because um, my brother, Larry, and his wife, Robin, have been through quite an event, a miraculous, miraculous event. And we're going to have Robin share it with us today. And um, Jim and I were here observing with quite a few other people. And uh, we just wanted to share it with you today because it was such a wonderful thing. So, Robin, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Ann. I'm glad to be here (laughs) to share this story. Yes, okay. And uh, thanks for being here, Jim. My pleasure. Glad to be here. It's been quite a ride during all this, hasn't it? Yes, wow. been emotionally exhausting yeah. and physically exhausting. Yes, it has. So, Robin, let's start and just start at the beginning, I guess, of the week. Uh, was it last Thursday? Last Wednesday? What day was it? Um, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes. Okay. Tuesday. I had a plan back surgery for Tuesday that's been ongoing for a couple of years with um, back pain. So this is something we were looking forward to. I needed a disc replaced, and so Larry and I were really excited to get this going and get me healed so we could get back to our normal lives of being active together, the things that we enjoy doing. And he was with me every step of the way, um, Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, Everything went great with me, and he's had a a little bit of a cough for a couple of weeks and because he had some bronchitis back in December and I gave him antibiotics so um, we've been talking about him going to the doctor and he's stubborn so he didn't want to go (laughs) but when he left Wednesday night um, little did I know that that might be the last time we said goodbye at 10 o'clock and um, he kissed me goodbye he was going home so he could actually bring some stuff back and pick me up the next morning and we talked before he went to bed and the next morning he called me early and said he wasn't feeling real good and um, I said well let me call an ambulance and he said well let me take my temperature and see how things go and he tried to do things around the house he said he didn't sleep well that his back was hurting a little bit and 
He knew that if he went to our family doctor, they'd send him to the hospital for x-rays, and it would just kind of prolong everything, getting answers, and he needed to be there to get me. That was his concern. Yeah, which is why he took so long. He yes. kept wanting to yes. be there for you. He didn't want anything to stop him from being there with me. And um, so he said he thought he would just drive himself to the emergency room, which he did. And I never heard from him. I would text him. And finally, um, I guess my phone was off accidentally and the so nurses came. What were you thinking? What were you um, planning? Well, we thought that he had pneumonia and that's what he thought, that he it was going to be a touch of pneumonia and he would probably maybe stay in the hospital and get some antibiotics or go home with antibiotics. But that's what we've been thinking all along. He had a touch of maybe walking pneumonia. And you really wanted him to take care of it so yes. he could be there for yes. you while you're recovering for how long on your back surgery? Mm, six weeks or longer even. Six weeks, yeah. Um, and these are people, let me just add, that um, for the last four years have been getting incredibly healthy. Um, yes. Larry has lost how much weight? 65 pounds. 65 pounds. And how much have you lost? 65. Wow. So um, they have been exercising and eating wonderfully and just have had a really healthy lifestyle. Yes, yes. And unexpectedly, what happened to Larry, but you were planning because you've been in a lot of pain for your back. Mm-hmm. And so that all was planned. Yes. And then Larry was going to come pick you up after he called. Yes. Um, and he was going to go to the doctor and then come get you, or did he just not want to do that because he was going to wait and then just take care of it? He was just going to wait and take care of it Okay. and come on and get me, and I said, I feel like you need to go get seen. So he decided to go, and then he remembered, you know, um, because I had used used to work in the ER and registration, and he remembered Robin said, if I want to get seen, you know, tell him I'm having chest pains, and so... It, it was all a matter of timing how everything worked out because if it hadn't worked out, he would not be here. Um, so he went in and that's what he told him, that he was, which he actually was having chest pains. He just didn't know it. So they took him back and they, they did a chest x-ray and did say he had a little bit of touch of pneumonia, but his enzymes were extremely high. So they immediately decided to send him to Springfield from Monette to our larger how, hospital. That's how he got here. Yeah, by ambulance. Okay, and so they, th- that's what they, when they were transferring him to Conk South, it was just for the pneumonia yes. and the enzymes. Yes. And what do the enzymes mean when it, they're it not? It just shows all of his, the activity in his heart and the numbers oh. of his oxygen. Okay, so they saw mm-hmm. danger, yes. of course, yes. or they wouldn't have sent him yes. an ambulance. Okay. All right. So what happened next? So, um... I did receive a call from his co-worker because he was concerned about the car being there and she went up there so she could take our car home. He didn't want to leave it there. But he, he actually offered to bring his own car to Springfield I mean, he to did. drive himself. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, I don't think that's going to happen. So <laughs> the next call I got, um, which I thought would be just that they got him in there and they started in on antibiotics, but it was ac- actually the cardiac surgeon um, telling me that they were taking him to surgery immediately that he was having a massive heart attack and his heart was fully damaged and my question was is he going to make it and he said I'm going to do the best I can the team and I will and he knew of my surgery I was just two days post of my surgery and I told him I was on my way that I would get there as soon as I could but how are you going to do that? 
I was trying to get things and I didn't know really I mean well it was really incredible wasn't it that he had the heart attack was it in the ambulance or when he got to the hospital as they were wheeling him into the hospital to the cat lab he was actually having the heart attack then that's when the heart attack happened and they could not do any test in the cat lab just enough that they knew that there was lots of blockage that he probably wouldn't pull through this and the cardiac doctor, the cardiologist, called the surgeon and said, immediately come down here. We need to get him to surgery, which the doctor told Larry that they'd probably do stents. And then he said, no, we're going to have to open you up, do open heart surgery. And Larry said, and no, 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 he just said, do stents. He just rolled his eyes. He's told me in detail, but he did, the doctor did tell me on the phone that he would have Larry call me and let me talk to him. And so, so you, right before they wheeled him into surgery, the chaplain called me and put Larry on the phone. And um, that's when he just told me he loved me and take care of myself. He said he wasn't worried about himself. He just was worried about me and my back. And, of course, we exchanged our love for you, and I told him I was on my way. And so at that time, you were s- sitting in the hospital room. And I'm an hour away because Monette's an hour from, I was in Galena, Kansas at the Surgical Institute, and which is on the other side of Joplin. And Monette is between Springfield and Joplin, which he was in Monette originally where we live. And he was brought to Springfield, which is about an hour and 15 minutes away. So we were like separated by miles. So what was happening to you? (sighs) Well, everybody at the hospital I was at, Premier, were wonderful. They were getting things together. Um, His work was calling me. Just friends of his and mine were just trying to get to me. And... um, his co-worker and a friend of mine, she left work immediately to come to me, and um, they were waiting, and we got everything loaded, and she brought me to the hospital in Springfield here at Cox. Now, he works at Power Play, Play. Power. Play Power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which used to be Little Tykes. Mm-hmm. Miracle. And mm-hmm. So his co-workers came to your aid. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. So that's how you got to the hospital That's over how here. I got to the hospital. Did you come straight here? I did, <laughs> and they were waiting. The chaplain was waiting in the front with a wheelchair for me. And took me straight back, and Larry was coming out of surgery at that time. Oh, wow. It was about 5.15, 5.30. So he was in surgery for hours, so it took you five hours. hours. He was. It took you that long to get to the mm-hmm. hospital. So I bet you were a mess. Yes, I was. <laughs> I didn't know really how to act. It was just like a nightmare. I was in a daze. Yeah, and we were... We were as well I was notifying everybody (laughs) that I could during that ride you know that I'm headed there and your brother and your you know your family member and your loved one has had this massive heart attack and not expected to make it and I'm trying to get there well and mom called me and said that he'd had that Larry had pneumonia Mm -hmm. and was going or that he was going to the ER Mm -hmm. by the time I got to work um, my assistant said call your sister your brother's had a heart attack and I said no he just has pneumonia (laughs) and so you know I was figuring out what in the world was going on um everyone was throughout the day and the hard thing one of the hard things for us was we kept getting periodic reports and each one was worse than the one before it you know we kept thinking okay uh the next report will say well he's doing he's kind of doing better and picking up a little bit you know but it wasn't like that it's like every report we got decreasing was saying it's critical it's more critical 
uh, we prepare for the worst and things like that. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, you know. And it so, was that bad. Yeah. It was that bad. Yeah. So, um, and it was so sudden that I think that one of the reasons I wanted to share this today is there were so many families in that waiting room that were going through the same yes. thing. Yes. And you a guys were, sadness. yeah, sleeping in there and everybody had their. Mm-hmm bags packed in this room that was actually prepared for that mm-hmm. and um, and so the whole suddenness and what it does to you emotionally and physically going through such a thing um, we wanted to share about that so um, well, I be- actually was told that at first he was having a bypass and then um, one of the family members said a triple bypass and then uh, Joan said a Five by quintuple bypass. Five. What was it actually? He ended up having a quadruple. Four quadruple. bypasses. Quadruple bypass. And um, <clears throat> yeah, there was a lot of sadness in that waiting room, and I was seeing miracles happen around me through people telling their stories. But that doesn't really affect you until you see it yourself or you experience your, it yourself. Right. You know, it's not your miracle, and you're like, okay, they can tell their stories, and it's good for them, and I'm happy for them, but inside, I wanted my own miracle. Yes, you did. You wanted your own miracle. So did we. I don't think I've prayed that hard, and, but we had a lot of people praying. Um, oh, there are prayer warriors going up all over the world for him through it, his company, and they go through fr- France and Canada. Everybody was praying. Larry has vendors and people that were notified, and they were everybody was praying. Yeah, and we got a lot of people praying, and churches on Sunday were praying all over the world for him. So when he came out of surgery, he was asleep. Yes. And you saw him. Yes. What did they tell you at that point? Well, first I saw the doctor. The chaplain brought us into the conference room, and my co-worker, Larry's co-worker was with me the whole time. And he just looked at me and said, Larry is a very, very sick man, and told me, proceeded to tell me about his bypasses and how he did and how healthy he was. And I looked at him and I said, is he going to die? And all he could say to me is, most likely. Wow. Yeah. I am. Um, that doctor was, I, you know, I, I wondered last night, was he just so, so negative? But he was seriously saying he yes. was very, very, very critical. And um, wanted you to know that. Yes. Did you ever flat out ask him, is he going to die? Yes, I did. I did. I asked him right then is he going to die and he said I can't tell you he's going to live his whole heart is totally damaged there's not an area in his heart that's not weak it's just fully damaged and um, I don't think he's going to make it and of course I was I broke down. I was continually breaking down, and they got. I got to go see him and hold his hand, and of course, seeing your husband with twenty-five machines on him and twenty bags and just machines everywhere. And um, he's always been my rock. I mean, I've depended on him for everything for fourteen years. Um, he's taken care of me, you know, and yeah. to see him so helpless, I couldn't imagine my life without him. And they were telling the rest of the family to prepare, yes. you know, prepare for him to be gone. 
Um, and uh, so we got in the car and took <laughs> off up here. Your mm-hmm. kids took, got in the car and took off up here from Dallas and Texas and yes. Tyler and um, everywhere. You guys are, are really, really close. Mm-hmm. Robin yes. as a couple, <clears throat> you ex- you work out together. You 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 do almost everything together, and uh, that that when you see that, you know, it, it all of a sudden it it, it comes to it came to my mind. Um, you know, what about my my marriage? You know, what my relationship is. Anna and I we spend like you guys do a yes. lot of time together, and we do things together, and. And it, it was a, a shocking thing to think about your situation and then make it relative to our situation, what what it would be like. And so I think it made the impact for me even heavier, uh, knowing what was happening with you. In fact, that was one of the things later I'd like to share a little bit more about is, is the effect on me, you know, what this has done to me. And there are many facets of, of what I've experienced in, in, in being going, you know, getting to go through this with you guys. Also, finding, you know, the way thinking he's probably going to die. Um, some someone in our family who hasn't even been sick. I mean, he's he's sixty years old, and I couldn't think of a time that I could remember that Larry even being sick. I mean, I know he probably had colds and stuff, but I I really don't remember ever. And so I've been worried about different family members at different times. Um, And so I was very, very shocked that it was Larry. When he had pneumonia, I I actually said to mom, oh, I'm so glad it's Larry because he's so strong, he'll be fine. And this doctor said the pluses for him is he began four years ago changing his lifestyle as far as his eating habits, which he ate very healthy, um, exercising daily. There's not a day that goes by that he doesn't exercise of some sort. Um, so his liver, his lungs, his kidneys, neurologically, he was everything was so healthy. And he said that's what's going to pull him through if he gets to that point. Because he's when you lay there so long, of course, at, the, at that time, they really didn't feel like he had pneumonia. They tested later, and he did have a touch of pneumonia, but that's not, and they said that his heart was so weak that it couldn't fight back the pneumonia, and that's where the massive heart attack happened because it was been a progression over the years, dying out, being so healthy on the outside, but his heart was so bad, and he could have had the heart attack at any time, and um, he just bowled Sunday before this Thursday that it happened, and... um, but if things would have gone the way just a tad second differently, like he would have gotten the car to come and get me um, or gone to the doctor instead of the hospital or not told them that he was having chest pains, he would have died. Yeah, he would have died. He, he would have died. And, and I think the shock is so much more because he has never been in the hospital. Never been in the hospital. He's never had a, did he, oh, he broke his arm He broke his, his arm, his arm and it was day surgery. That was, that was skating. <laughs> It's, you know, skating last year. years old, skating, <laughs> yeah. things he enjoys, um, but never sick. In fact, Cox was looking for records for him, and they couldn't find I said, he's not sick. He's healthy. I mean, his, his blood levels, everything's always good. They found and no medical records nothing, for him. <laughs> nothing. And so, um, but the doctor at this time, when we I saw him the first time, said his heart is working at 20%, and the wow. rest of it is 80% on a pump, hmm. a balloon that is inside of him keeping his heart going and he's on a ventilator because he can't breathe 
So it was very, it didn't look good at all. And we're saying that because, of course, we would be here um, talking like this if he had passed. Um, so we're just taking you through the, all of the highs and lows and highs and lows. <laughs> and um, we actually were told many times that Larry was dying. And yes. so um, it has been just an, uh, an incredible experience, one I would never want to go through again. But it has changed all of us and probably all our family and all our friends and all the people have been praying for him because it really makes you stop and think, which it did me. I thought, oh, my gosh, I just got to get my health better. You know, um, it can happen to anyone. If it can happen to him, it can happen to anyone. And it, and it does frighten you that it could. So, well, and the fact that we can look good on the outside yes. and yet there can be issues on the inside that yes. we don't even know about. And so... Uh, it reminds us of the importance of uh, taking every step possible to stay healthy in every way. And when it's mentioned that it's Larry that had this heart attack to his friends and family, everybody's Larry, not Larry. You know, he's the healthy one. He's the, but, and Larry himself has always said that. He said, I'm not going to die. Look at me. I'm healthy. I've lost <laughs> all this weight. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I don't take medicine at all. You just never know. Well, and we, know. you know, to, um, his history, he did smoke. For yes. how many years did he smoke in the past? Probably um, close to 40 years. Close to 40 years, yeah. And he had quit. Um, yes. And so he hadn't smoked in quite a while. So he didn't, that's part of what had hurt his heart. The heart doctor said that the, over a progression of the years that that has killed out his heart. And, um, and it, it's interesting that cigarettes work like that that you wouldn't know and um, you can go on with your life after stopping 20 years, 10 years, 3 years, 4 years and you can be just as healthy as can be except inside your heart it's damaged. So the traumas that come through life, the unexpected traumas to your body and sicknesses you can get, if your heart's already damaged then it cannot be as strong to fight that off. And so for him if he had not had that he probably could have fought off the pneumonia and not had the heart attack. Or, Possibly, but yeah. along with stress this week and just a number of things, it right. just probably exploded into the main part of the heart that took over. And We don't really know. Just I mean, don't really know. They look back and they try to make sense out of it. And so um, we don't exactly know. He he knows that the pneumonia and the, the, that he'd been so sick and trying to breathe and pneumonia does that just struggling and then he continues doing everything he did before even though he was sick yes. and he was he was doing the 30 push-ups for 30 days mm -hmm. and I said that to him and he goes well I've been doing that long before yeah, that but I just joined the competition mm -hmm. um, and so he does incredible stuff and he expects a lot from his body yes so um, what happened after that so I stayed at the hospital. My daughter came from Texas. My kids have rallied around me and just showed their love and support to me like kids should. <laughs> and I so appreciate them. I couldn't ask for better kids because I'm trying. I went from the hospital, major back surgery, and they did anterior, so I've been cut from my stomach so I'm trying to heal also and um but my place is with Larry he's my life and I, I need to be here and so my daughter was they were all got together and they were she was on her way so she was with me and I was in the waiting room overnight and the nurse came and got me and said 
Dr. Steinberg wanted to talk to me and he held my hand and told me that nothing has changed in the 24 period. They thought that if he can get through the first five hours, we would accomplish something, but nothing has changed. No numbers, no stabilization, nothing. And he said that the next step, that Larry's organs would start shutting down. Now that was because of the pump, having the yes. having the pump on there. If you leave it on too long, it starts doing damage to the other organs. There, that's what they try to get out. The pump is one of the first things, and you have to lay still. And you know they can't leave it in usually more than two or three days. That's a goal that they try to reach for is the pump out. And that that was scary when we found out that he was alive, but it was the heart pump that was keeping him alive, yes. and that they could only. But there, were, in a couple of days, they would have to take it out. Yeah, regardless, but that pneumonia would surely set in and then all of the other organs, the liver and stuff. And he was basically, t- and I asked him again at that point with my daughter there with me and, you know, is he going to die? And that's when he said that, you know, the organs would probably start shutting down. He was preparing me, I believe, to the next thing that would happen, even if it was days away, that I would have to make that decision to turn the machines off which I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine I couldn't. I couldn't even think that way, which it was going through my mind, but everything that was going through my mind is all of our time together, and I couldn't imagine my life without him. So everybody continued to pray. Yeah, everybody, really. We let them know that they're going to take the heart pump out tomorrow. Um, And so, and the way that they described what could happen was pretty grim. Yeah. That... um, you know, they'd take the heart pump out, which was dangerous in itself, because if his heart would continue pumping or not on its own. And then the bleeding out, right, that he could bleed out, yeah, whatever that meant. <laughs> and it just uh, well, it just sounded really bad, didn't it? But their plans were to take it out on Monday and to let him try to stabilize throughout. They were going to start weaning him with the numbers, which I still don't understand that, on the Saturday and Sunday on the heart pump and the balloon weaning it it has to do with heartbeats and they would stabilize him for 24 hours and see how he did well that first step that they took he stabilized and he did wonderful nothing you know the number he just everything started working and continuing to work and the next phone call I got was Sunday morning from Dr. Steinberg's partner Dr. Z and he like said he was prepared to see the worst when he went in there Saturday because he had been updated. He said he's he's better, much better. Right. And which was so scary when you said take the machines off and they said they'll to turn it off. Um, I I thought that that meant let him die. You know, you would turn it off because he can't live on his own. And um, and there were different people in the waiting room talking about how scary it was for them to turn, that they had to make a decision. And um, But actually, it's a chance. What what you're doing is giving him life it's, uh, to see if his heart can continue without the pump. Mm-hmm. Because the longer you leave the pump in, the he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And, and they actually described in detail what would happen to him organ by organ by organ, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was pretty gruesome. Um, it's, it, you know, there's an irony in it because they, the, the pump is keeping him alive, but if you leave it in too long, it will lead to his death. Mm-hmm. To pull it out, you've got a, you're, you're wondering if the heart's strong enough to it's even just a tool work to on help. its own. It's exactly. a tool yeah. to help, not to live with. 
But then also uh, there could be massive bleeding that would accompany the removal of that pump. Mm-hmm. And so they're pressing. They, they, they told us they were going to press mm-hmm. on his lower abdomen to, to press that, to mm-hmm. keep that blood from, uh, you know, from, from keep him from losing that blood. And so there's so many different not good things that could happen. Yeah. And so for us, that was a very intense time. I mean, I think of all the time here, that was before, before um, the initial when they told you during surgery and after surgery that this was the most intense yeah, This then. was the big hump. It was the, the thing that we had to get over. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so we were all in there. Um, you did very well, Robin. I was very impressed how well you did during that time because we were all a mess. And you were just trying to keep your mind busy. And they had said 45 minutes, they would let us know up to two hours. And so we were in there waiting, and it was an hour, and a little over an hour. Um, and so that was us on pins and needles, just a mess. This was Monday. Uh-huh. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll tell you more about the miracles that happened in cardiovascular ICU with Larry. on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Most married men experience frustration because there are things they want from their wives but don't know how to get them. Nothing seems to work. Desires are unfulfilled, fantasies unrealized, and relationships become stagnant. Men are desperate today for a richer, deeper, more satisfying, and intimate marriage. Dr. Jim Slaughter teaches men how to have the passionate, fulfilling marriage they've always wanted. Call 817-991-4964 or email jslaughterphd at yahoo.com to begin transforming your marriage into what you want it to be. Are you living your dream yet? If not, then why not? Everyone has a greatness inside of them to achieve what they deserve in their lives. But how do you find the motivation to get started? Tune in to Your Authentic Life with host Susan Cranston. Susan's advice, along with expert guests, will help you improve your relationships, start or change your career, and achieve the seemingly unattainable goal. Listen live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, guys. 
We are here today with Dr. Jim Slaughter and Robin Bartlett sharing about our experience at the cardiovascular ICU here at Cox South Hospital in Springville, Missouri. Um, it's been quite uh, a riveting time for us. I also wanted to let you know if you would like to join with us in partnership for this show. Um, we do a lot of good and reach a lot of people to empower them and strengthen them and give them hope. We would love for you to join us as a sponsor. And um, you can just let us know through my email, ablivingwell at gmail.com, um, or you can do it through the website. Thanks for back, coming back, guys. Um, we were at a very crucial time talking about um, turning off the heart pump. Did you actually, Robin, do anything like that? Did they have you touch anything, any of the equipment to turn it off? Because you hear people say, I have to make a decision to turn it off or not turn it off. No. Um we weren't at that point yet because we were waiting to see how his body reacted to turning the notch, you know, each day. And then they got to this crucial part of taking it out. And um, it would be just a long wait to see how he reacted to that. And the next news I got was he's stable, you know. His heart's pumping on its own. They don't know the strength of it yet because the doctor told me that is not anything that they even test right now because they go by numbers and his stabilization and how well he does with everything, you know, around him. But um, I never truly knew what the words, life can be taken away in seconds, meant until I saw our lives crumbling before us. It that doctor seconds. told me he had a large, massive heart attack and may not recover, may not make it. Now, during this um, Larry had a, he had woke, woken up um, at what point did he wake up where he was cognizant that you were there he opened his eyes late Thursday night probably in the wee hours of the morning and they would just be open and closed there was no movement or anything and I think Friday for the first time he was taking a few commands from the nurse like moving his toes and moving his fingers when she would ask him questions. His his mind, of course, he's a genius anyway, and he's very bright and smart, <laughs> smartest man I know. And um, so neurologically, I knew that his brain was there because the first thing he was pointing at was my back. He did remember I had back surgery. He was concerned about me. And no, he so I tried, he couldn't talk, but he yeah. pointed, and so I knew, and I said, my back is fine. I let him know. Anytime that he was starting to get um, stimulated, we could tell, and they would have to, they kept him in a kind of a coma state, sedate, fully sedated, because they didn't want him, they didn't want his heart to work any more than it had to, because it was so weak, and so the first words were, you know, just trying to point was he wanted to know about my back. And I told him I was okay. And when he saw my daughter there with me, I could tell he just relaxed and he thanked her. And I told him she was there with me taking care of me and my other kids were coming. And any time that I would tell him something that I knew it was all about me, he calm worried. him down right. and I could tell he relaxed with his hands and he could go off to sleep again knowing. Or if Amy would tell him that I'm taking her to the waiting room to rest, he would you could see that relaxed and he was okay. Because doctors were really concerned about you because you needed to be, normally you would have been laying down the whole time, you know, at home. Mm -hmm. um, and you wouldn't be getting up walking much. No. Um, and here you are taking care of, you know, him 
wanting to be with him, but he was very worried about you when he woke up. And through the whole thing, he kept being so worried about you, but he couldn't talk because he had the ventilator mm-hmm. in. So then he wanted to write. Mm-hmm. Um, started on the on the hands, and this was all before they took the pump out, actually, and um, when he woke up kind of over the weekend, just in and out. But his mind, probably when he was sleeping, was thinking, what am I going to ask? What do I need to know? Because he you know, knew everything that was going on around him. But also, he didn't get to prepare for this at all. No. So you didn't know financially where anything was. No. He was worried, like, where's the check? He wanted to tell you where the checkbook was. Mm-hmm. Like, he did all the finances. So for him, every time he woke, which wasn't, which they would not want that, because every time he woke and he saw you, he would immediately mm-hmm. start trying to, mm-hmm. and his heart rate would go up, and mm-hmm. the machines would go off. They'd have to sedate him. Yeah, because he kept trying to, even though he had the thing in his mouth and he couldn't talk, he wanted to tell you some things before he died. I feel like he knew. I feel like he knew how bad he was and that he was dying. I, I, and so they kept having to calm him down, give him medicine to stop. Um, he did get to write a few things, though. Do you remember what they were? The first thing he wrote, the nurse held her hand up there and let him write, and he wrote the word close. That's the first thing he ever wrote. He spelled out close. He was con- he was concerned about, and it wasn't just his pants and shirt. I had to list everything that I had, his wallet, his ring, his watch, his bracelet, you know, his phone, his checkbook. <laughs> I had to list all of those things, and he was watching me with his eyes, and when I said, that's all I have, then he was able to close his eyes, and he relaxed. And then another time, he wrote numbers, and he put password, and it was our de- debit, and it was his debit card password, so I would have the money available to me. Because even though we have joint accounts and stuff, we, we don't know each other's passwords like that because we don't need to use it, and there's no need that we've ever had to tell each other. And, and so he wanted me to have that to be available to me. And um, so he continued to do little things like that. So I would be aware of where things were and stuff. And I, I kept during that, I mean, I, I hadn't really thought about how panicky it would be um, for something like that, even for you and me, to um, all of a sudden wake up and you have a zillion machines on. You've been cut open from the neck down, you know, all through the, like, down to the torso. Um and you can't talk because the ventilator's in your mouth. You can't communicate with anyone. And what you would want to say, because no, knowing, I mean, I'm sure with all the machines, um, did you? Did he ever ask you what happened? The nurses kept telling him they would get down and whisper to him, you had a massive heart attack, and your wife's here, and you're gonna re- we're going to get you through this. Everything had to be positive, you know. And... Um, and then as the days went on, you know, I would ask him questions. Do you know what happened? He said when he first woke up, he thought he was still in the ambulance, even though he remembers. Yeah, he told being, us that yesterday. Being put to sleep, he remembers being awake until in the operating room. They put the mask on him to knock him out. He remembers up till then. But he said when I first woke up, it just looked like I was in the ambulance. And so I was trying to figure out what I was doing here with all this stuff hooked up to me. And... um but he, I would ask him little things. I didn't want to upset him at all. But he would just, I could tell by his lips, he was wanting to ask so many things. And I would just assure him we'll have plenty of time for that, not to try to, you know, move or talk. And um, I said, you do know that you had a massive heart attack. 
and he shook his head yes. And um, because I'm sure he's thinking, hey, I'm healthy. I was the healthy one. Why this couldn't happen to me? And I'm sure to hit him again, too, that how did this happen to me? Well, and in the midst of all this, he had the ventilator tube in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And that was, we would see him start choking. They, they would correct us every time. We'd say, he's choking, he's choking. His whole face would turn red. It looked like he couldn't breathe. And they would all say, looked like he was dying. He's coughing. It's just mm-hmm. coughing. It's just looked coughing. like choking to me. <laughs> yeah, but me I too. would just see what was going and on so there, they would, boy. But the tube was only the size of a straw that yeah. he had to breathe through. Well, and they would calmly get this tube thing and aspirate out mm-hmm. the stuff in his lungs and from the pneumonia, right? Mm-hmm. And so he was needing to cough that up, but it looked like mm-hmm. he was choking. It was horrible. It was just horrible. And I so, could never look at him when he did that. And so the, uh, during all that and all these machines, he would start choking, mm-hmm. it looked like for us, many, many times throughout the day. Here's something I thought about, too, when I was in there, we were watching that, and that is that um, I think it's hard for a guy to be helpless. Yeah. And, I mean, it may be for everybody, but, you know, guys want to believe that they're strong. We want to believe we're invincible. We want to believe that, that we're the ones who people turn to when they need something or need help. And for, for a guy to be helpless, to be ministered to by people around him, not to be even able to breathe very well and breathe on his own, uh, that's, a, that's a tough thing. I can really understand why Larry was wanting to get... Uh, you the information, Robin, just because he wanted to, uh, he he felt responsible, you know, and uh, that that's a that's a tough place to be to to render up your responsibility or your control, um, even though you don't have a choice. It's still hard to do that. And he did. We saw him get teary eyed, crying, mm-hmm. on you know, several times, several times. And I, though I knew he was in pain. Um, probably, um, it looked like he was shocked um, about how helpless he was. Well, this is somebody that um, we were transferred here five years ago, so we don't have family here in Monette. And um, so our lives began the healthy lifestyle, and we depended on each other for everything. I depended on him. He depended on me. We enjoyed that. We loved that. Um, we did everything together, and then two years ago, I had a slight injury or whatever with my back, and I've had to slightly depend on him a little bit more, and so he felt like, I feel like he feels that, you know, how am I going to make it without him there supporting me, because in the home, he helps me so much, and so I know that it's been hard that way, and it did me too, because he's been my rock and my support. And so it's been really hard going through this. And, and in the midst of all this, we communicated in Facebook. Um, my sister, who had been a nurse in heart surgery for a long time, kept communicating with you and sending it out on Facebook to everyone. Yes. Um, and then everybody would respond and, and everybody would be praying. And, you know, so they got to see all along the way over the last week, every step and deep prayer and we just say keep praying today they're taking the heart pump out you know and so and then oh he remained stable this time they turned it down and he's you know and so that was just it's been such a great communicative tool to have and I know it's kind of helped empower all of us to get through it it was overwhelming to you though 
really. It was. So my communication was through his, his sister, Joan. I would text her every time I saw him or talk to a nurse or talk to a doctor. And then she would notify the family and post on Facebook how he was doing because at this time I just can't get on Facebook. I'm, it's just overwhelming to see everything talking to Larry because it had started people asking about me and my surgery and how's Robin and him responding and it was really hard seeing him knowing how healthy he we thought he was responding how well I'm doing and step by step with my surgery and then suddenly that stops and it's all about him and the questions were about him and is he going to make it and how you know and I just couldn't handle all that so I I have to kind of step back from Facebook right now yeah, and it is terrifying to realize in a second how things can flip. And a, a humorous thing to me that, that happened was that, you know, we, we go in there and there are all these screens with all these moving colored lines and stuff like that. We have noise like hieroglyphics to us, right? But Joan, Larry's sister, who's the, the nurse, previous cardiac care nurse, has you snapping pictures of those screens with your phone so she can interpret them and let everybody know what's going on. And right? let her and explain to her yeah, as well. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was so cool. Did you that know? help you? He, she actually just wanted a picture of him. And and when in the process, I thought, you know, if I do this, maybe she can just read these. So I started snapping. And, of course, Larry's still out of it. But he heard my daughter, me and my daughter, discussing this. And... <laughs> And he must have heard the word pictures, and his hands started go waving kind of around, and my daughter went up to him, and he still has his tube, and she can tell he's saying pictures, none of this. And he just, <laughs> he didn't, he knows how I love pictures and want to take pictures, but I would never do anything like that. That was just pictures for myself and him for our memories. And so I did take the pictures of the machines, and I sent them to Joan, and she called after looking at them and stuff. She called me and could interpret, you know, as a sister-in-law and Larry's sister, more down to earth to where I understood things, sure. you know, and explained things to me and the numbers. And the, she said, they're all looking really good. That helped and, you, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Well, and I didn't understand all the numbers and machines either. And I didn't ask you to explain them because it would have taken too long. Oh, yeah. It was overwhelming to see all those machines. Yes. Now, the exciting thing is... Um, as they lowered the heart pump, um, and then they lowered it down again. How many times did they lower it? Three times. Right. Three times. Wow. Yeah. And he was stable each time that they did it. And that was once a day? Yes. And then they waited 24 hours. And so we went through those each time, mm -hmm. for anyone who's listening. <laughs> and so a lot of other people in the in the waiting room um we're also going through things like this, and it was, I'd never seen and never realized how supportive everyone was of each other. You had all these people. We've just, um, I've met friends there, I think, for life because they're going through the same thing. In fact, one lady that I had been seeing, everything posted on Facebook because we had mutual friends that we did not know about. Um, her husband had had an incident, and um, I realized that that's the person everybody on Facebook was talking about. So she's been, she immediately came to my aid because he was stabilizing. And, you know, they, they all have food there. And she gave me a roll of quarters to keep if I needed them. And mm -hmm. just, um, you know, another lady that was going through it, she did the same thing. And we're able, it's just like a family there because we're going through the same thing. And, Unless you're going through it, you don't know. 
Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. And, and everyone had their sleeping areas. Like, they're all set up in little squares for each family to add their beds, kind of, their couches. They had plug-ins where you could power up your, your computer, your phone, um, TVs. And they actually turn out the lights at night so everyone yes. can sleep as best as they can. But in the middle of all that, we would hear... Lullaby. A lullaby song all of a sudden. And somebody said it almost felt like they were in heaven. Mm-hmm. There was somebody, one of the ICU yeah. people said they, they thought, thought they, they died were, and gone to heaven. <laughs> over the sound system. Yeah, through. over the yeah. sound system. Yeah. When a baby's born. Every time a baby's born. And so I was sitting there, I was like, what, what is that? And then you told mm-hmm. me, a baby just was born. And, and it was a wonderful added aspect to the stress we because were going you feel through. like there might be a life being taken away where your situation is but somewhere there's one being given life and know, how many born. how many times did we hear that yeah it's and, lots yeah in fact at one time it was three in a row and somebody mm-hmm. goes was it triplets <laughs> it was um it was very nice yes. whoever thought of that was it's very soothing to hear it yes very soothing and it did sound like heaven, whatever mm-hmm. we would think heaven would be like. It was very heavenly. You know, I was thinking, <clears throat> you know, I, we, were, we were all anticipating uh, the, the removal of the pump. We, we knew that was probably the big thing that, you know, what was going to happen then. And when I heard that, um, I mean, I felt actually confident before that was removed, and yet I, I don't know that I had any reason to be. Because they and, made it sound kind of yeah, quite daunting. Yeah, really negative. But then uh, after it was removed and we discovered that he was uh, – he was, uh, his heart was pumping on its own and that there had been a, a minimal amount of bleeding and that everything, I mean, really couldn't look much better at that yeah. point than it did. And I mean, I just, in my own mind and heart, I knew he was going to make it. Well, and that was the scariest, yeah. I think. With the, the scariest time for me was when they actually said they were going to remove the pump yeah. at 11 the next morning mm-hmm. and you kept wanting to find out when it was. And so you got there early and spent really good mm-hmm. time with him. And um, he still didn't have the ventilator out at that no, point. No. no. So he couldn't talk, but he would write. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Because you knew that that could be, and probably he knew too, that with the pump coming out, either he would live or he wouldn't live. It could reverse everything in a matter of seconds. So what did you guys do in that time? Well, mm-hmm. I just held his hand, and he would squeeze my hand. And um, we just knew being there with each other how much we loved each other and throughout the whole time from Thursday till now even I would just whisper in his ear come back to me and fight for us you're my life and we need each other we have so much more living to do Mm. and at one time he shook his head yes but I would just keep telling him fight for us and come back to me was he writing stuff for you that he wanted you to know he wrote some stuff and he's always had a sense of humor maybe a dry mm-hmm. sense of humor but yeah. he has a sense of humor and um, when he saw my daughters and I together my other daughter had come Saturday night but when he saw the three of us together he um, immediately pointed to all of us and wrote are you shopping because <laughs> you know, he knows you know you girls get together you like to shop and um, so he you know it helped knowing that his brain was still very active mm-hmm. because yeah. that just shows it because I could see little things that so his brain was very active and that was good that he was able to um, express some of those things um, and for us he communicated he was 
he was glad that we came. Um, thankful for that. Grateful. When we walked up for the first time, um, and you know, Robin actually had a, a, you and I mm -hmm. uh, come over by his bed, and he saw you, took your hand. Um, I was kind of standing behind you, and when he saw me, um, he just reached out his index finger yeah. towards me, indicating that he wanted me to take his finger. I, I took hold of his finger, and. Uh, he was trying to, I think it, it was like he was trying to say thank you or, was or something like that, mm -hmm. you know. And he was doing and his eyes. It was in that moment I felt incredibly, extremely close to him. And it was just his finger. I was holding his finger, you know. And his thoughts are, and I know this because he's done this with my daughters and my son, and um, is he's really actually thanking everybody for being here for me because he knows that he's being taken care of and he's got the, the care that he needs but again he's worried about my back and so he's just grateful for everybody that's surrounding us and I have been grateful for my pastors and my friends that have come um, surrounded me and um, one dear friend that I work with um, she spent Friday and Saturday all day with me and um, I don't feel like I would ever be alone. I have enough friends that would surround me with their love, and they would do anything in the world for me. People have been bringing stuff to me. and Did you realize um, they would do that? No, I really didn't. Because you're not real good at asking for help, no. are you? No, I, I know. And, and I could really tell that, that you, because um, in the beginning you were saying, you know, he's all I have, and he's my life, and and um, we don't know a lot of we, we've met people but we're not we just don't know you know and then all of a sudden there were just people everywhere it's just amazing mm -hmm. it's amazing when you're in need the people that come to your aid and I, I was telling Larry that that people have really surrounded you and people had bonded with you in the waiting room and, and my goal here was help him rest to not worry that people were here for you um, so that he could relax mm -hmm. because every time he was waking up and seeing you, the little alarms would go off and, mm -hmm. you know, and because he was so worried about yeah, you. They had to sedate him pretty much because he just, you know, but it calmed him down knowing that people were here for me. That's what he needed to hear. So the exciting thing is they had said they were going to take the pump out and they would actually have to have a man on top of him holding the groin mm -hmm. area so and it wouldn't did. bleed out. And that sounded, and there was gonna, they would hold it for 45 minutes or two hours or How whatever they had to took. do. Mm -hmm. And it ended up, actually, what we found out is he only bled, as you said, a penny. And it was amazing. And they said because of his health that he was stronger, probably, than most people would have mm -hmm. been. Um, and so that was... That was exciting, and then, and they didn't take the ventilator out until the next yesterday, day. Yesterday, which Tuesday. when he when he heard they weren't taking it out on Monday, mm -hmm. you, you were talking to the doctor, and he was getting upset, wasn't he? Yes, they decided because of the pneumonia that they had started him on antibiotics. The first test came back just kind of phlegm, but then it, the second test came back that he did have some pneumonia because he was coughing. And it, they needed the ventilator. They didn't want to have to put the ventilator back in because right. they said that that really suggests to the patient that they're going backwards and they could possibly die if they can't live without this ventilator. So they did. They took it out the Yesterday. next day. Mm -hmm. And what did he do? As soon as it came out, the first thing he said to me was, "I tried to get to you." That's the first thing he said to me. And he couldn't talk very loud because no, it was his but I was right up. I was right up <laughs> to him, and that's the first thing that came out. I tried to get to you. And it has been a wonderful time since yesterday, then. I will just say. Yesterday was just incredible. I mean, it was incredible. That's why I say, as we started out this show, that St. Patrick's Day yesterday was probably one of the best days of my life. Yes. Um, it was a great day because he started talking. And then 
halfway through the day, they said, I think it's time that you get up and take a walk. Sit in a chair. <laughs> sit in a chair. First, they had him sit in the chair. And we came in surprised because he wasn't mm-hmm. in the bed. It kind of scared mm-hmm. us. He was in the chair. And then later on in the day, they had him get up. Yes. And I ran to Robin. She was in the waiting room. Robin, they're getting him up. And so it was incredible. He got up. He didn't walk forward because he was scared, but he did. They had him walk in place and then walk backwards and sit down. So we wanted to share this incredible blessing with you for us that he's still, of course, critical. He's still in ICU, but we are so grateful and thankful to the Lord and all our friends. And to, and also today is Larry's birthday. He is 61. Birthday. And so we're going to have a great celebration. He's alive. And thank you to everyone for joining us in this wonderful story. And uh, we look forward to filling you in later when he has an even better recovery. And thank you for tuning in to Living Well. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Jim, for joining us. Thank you, Ann. Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week.